reflections I was ministered in those scriptures and songs. You can take your Bibles with me and turn to Philippians chapter 1. This morning, we're going to talk a little bit about missionaries. I wonder, do you have a favorite missionary? Ah, oh, it's a hard question, isn't it? Do you have a favorite missionary? Well, we probably, if we were to start thinking about missionaries, we might have some names come to mind and places where people went to be missionaries. And you know, there's a lot of famous missionaries, missionaries that most of the church knows about. And you know, there's a lot of missionaries that their names have been forgotten. But there's some missionaries that I think we can learn from. And did you know that sometimes we think of missionaries and we think of their names, but you know it's not really all about that missionary? Hmm. What's it really all about? Or may I rephrase that? Who's it all really about? That's what we've been saying about all morning, isn't it? And, and the real successful missionaries are ones who realize the truths that we've been realizing this morning of the fact that we need all the fullness of God. And so I'm going to ask you the question that Christopher asked at the beginning. Can we really be filled with all the fullness of God? You don't sound very sure. Can we really be filled with all the fullness of God? Yes, we sure can. Praise Him. In fact, that's what fellowship is. It's a joint union with God that then results in a fellowship with one another that should then spread to the world. And this morning, we're going to look at a special kind of fellowship. It is the fellowship of the gospel. The fellowship of the gospel. Any of you children tell me what the word gospel means? Raise your hand if you know. Raise your hand if you know. Do you know? Well, I see some older children over here. That's good. And some older children over here. What's it? What? Let me see. Who's the youngest one here who knows what the word gospel means? Hmm. I think we're with you. That's not what the word means. I, the, the word of God is gospel, but what's the word mean? Naomi? Holy word. Boy, you got a theme started here. The holy word. We had a whole conversation about holy this morning on the way into the church, and so that's what she's on to this word Holy. To Toby. Good news. So what's the word gospel mean? Good news. What's the word gospel mean? Good news. Good news. Did you know, have you ever heard the phrase evangelism or evangelize or evangelistic? Did you know that's not English? It's not English. That's a Greek word. In fact, you know the Christmas time we read about the angels and they said we bring to you good tidings of great joy? Well, the word good tidings is the Greek word evangelize. It means good news. So we've got evangelism, we've got gospel, and we've got good news. You know, it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. And so we as Christians have a fellowship that's a joint together in purpose of good news. We join together in fellowship for the cause of good news in evangelism and in the gospel. 
This is the fellowship of good news. Now, have you ever heard about the missionary to Achaia? Some of you are thinking, where in the world is Achaia? Have you ever heard of this missionary, the missionary to Achaia? How many of you heard of the missionary to Achaia? Could give him the name. Let's see, we got Toby here. Toby, what was his name? Paul. How many of you heard of the missionary Paul? There you, you didn't know he was to Achaia, did you? Well, you maybe know the name Corinth. That's in Achaia, that whole region there. Paul was a missionary to Achaia. He was also a missionary to Asia. Well, you think, well, where was that? Asia Minor. Where's that? You ever heard of the city Ephesus? Paul was a missionary to Ephesus. Have you ever heard of the mission field Macedonia? That one's a little more common because we have that famous account of the vision that Paul had where there was this man who said, come over and help us. And he was a man from Macedonia. Now, does anybody know what the famous city in Macedonia was where Paul the missionary went? Famous, famous city. Elijah's doing this. Nope, Athens. Nope, Athens is actually down in Achaia, closer down by Corinth. Did I hear it? I heard it. Philippi, yes. Have you ever heard of Philippi? Or the book of Philippians? Well, that's the mission field, Paul's mission field of, to, of Macedonia and Achaia down further south where Corinth is and we over at Ephesus, Asia. These were mission fields that Paul was sent to. Have you guys all heard about the sending church? Excuse me. The sending church um, in Antioch, Antioch of Syria, that was Paul's home church. That was the church that sent him and Barnabas on the first missionary journey and then sent he and Silas on the second missionary journey. These are all different places. But you know what's really intriguing is that Paul started in Antioch of Syria. But then as we find him later on in his ministry, he keeps talking about this place called Macedonia. Do you know why? Because when he brought the good news to Macedonia, to Philippi, to Berea, to Thessalonica, the people in that region received the glad tidings, received the gospel with great joy. And you know what they began to immediately do? Fellowship in the gospel. They joined forces with Paul to encourage Paul the missionary as he went forth to spread the good news. Now somebody, can anybody tell me when the missionary Paul wrote a letter to the church in Achaia, Corinth, what did he say was the gospel that he declared unto them? Anybody remember what the gospel is that Paul said to the church at Corinth that he declared to them? The very simplistic declaration of the good news, the gospel. Anybody know that verse? I've got Christopher. I'm looking for a child. Is there a child who knows it? Now, see, you've memorized this verse. Every one of you little ones at a certain age have learned this verse have been part of family Bible time. But you maybe didn't realize that Paul wrote it to that church in Corinth where he was a missionary. It is 1 Corinthians 15, 3b and 4. How many of you recognize that reference? 
Oh, there we go. Can you quote it for me? Can you quote it for me? 1 Corinthians 15, 3b and 4. Very good. She got it. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's good news. Now, I want to preach that whole verse right now, but we won't get to everything else I want to say. But I got to say this. The good news is that there's some bad news. Christ died for our sins. That's bad news. And the good news is, is that Christ died for those sins. And that wouldn't be very great news if that was where it stopped. But the really amazing and incredible good news is that when he died for us and for our sins, he then rose again according to the scriptures. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And when this good news, this gospel, came to the church of Macedonia, they got excited and they partnered with Paul and they said, we want this good news to go everywhere. That costs a lot. Now you might say, yep, that costs a lot of money. Oh, it costs Macedonia people a lot. You know, Paul ended up in jail for telling people about the good news in Philippi. He gets to Thessalonica after he gets run out of Philippi, and, and that's part of perhaps the reason why the church of Philippi had such a debt to Paul is because they're like, wow, he came to our city to proclaim the good news, and our people drive him out. He goes to Thessalonica. Oh, poor Jason. You ever heard of Jason? Oh, that poor guy. He gets in all kinds of trouble because Why? Because he fellowshiped in the gospel with Paul. And it's implied he lost everything. And Paul ended up getting driven out of Macedonia. The missionary got kicked out of Macedonia. Does that sound familiar? That kind of still happens some places. People get kicked out of a particular mission field. But you know what was amazing? He said all of the people in Macedonia were still fellowshipping in the gospel with Paul. Have you ever heard of a lady named Lydia? Lydia? Lydia was the seller of purple. Now, Micaiah, you're all dressed up in purple this morning, aren't you? Yeah. If he lived back in the first century, he'd be telling everybody how rich he is. Because only rich people wear purple. Because back then, it was a whole lot harder to get the color purple than it is today. But Lydia was this wealthy woman and it's actually, by the way, interesting as we learn about the fellowship of the gospel that the majority of the people we learn about in Philippi are women. That's where it started. And then we have Lydia. And then have you ever heard of another famous person? And I say famous, but he's actually sometimes just disappears. We don't recognize him. Have you ever heard the name Epaphroditus? Epaphroditus? Well, that's a strange name. Who's he? He is a Christian in the city of Philippi, whom the church of Philippi has said, we want you to minister in the fellowship of the gospel with us to Paul. And so we want you to go find Paul, and we want you to bring him a gift. 
We want you to help him. We want you to minister to him. And so the church of Philippi is so passionately excited about the good news that they send one of their own to minister to the missionary and to bring him help. There is an illustration of the fellowship of the gospel. Do you have your Bibles turned there to Philippians? Here is the key verse for us. For Paul is sitting down to write this letter to the church at Philippi. And he's remembering, he's remembering the people there. And listen to what he says in verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, Paul remembers the church at Philippi with such fondness and thanksgiving. I wonder if our missionaries remember us that way. Do we have a fellowship in the gospel and a joint passion for a common purpose, the common goal of spreading the gospel that our missionaries remember us with thanksgiving and great joy. I hope so. And I hope that as we think to the future, that we would do more to communicate, not just in words, but to communicate in all different ways with our missionaries that we may truly fellowship in the gospel. You see, this church did it from the first day until now. And Paul was thrilled. You know that first day when it was? We got a record of it in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 tells us about when Paul first came to Philippi. You know where he went? He went down to the river. And he began to minister and to share the gospel with the women of Philippi, which is abnormal. Because normally when Paul went to a city, he didn't go to the river. He didn't go to the washing machine. You know, that's what rivers are, washing machines. You didn't know that, did you? You go to the river to wash your clothes, right? No, he went to the washing machine. He went to the laundromat to start sharing the gospel. This was unique because normally when he came to a city, where did he first go? Anybody know? The synagogues. It's very likely that in this town there was very little Jewish influence and it's very unlikely that there was a synagogue, that there were even enough Jewish people to put together a synagogue. So he goes where? To the laundromat. You know, that's not a bad place to go with the gospel if you think about it. You ever been to a laundromat? Some people haven't been to laundromats. Why? Because they're not really the fun place to go. 
But you know, they're actually a great place to have a fellowship of the gospel in because people just sit around and have nothing to do. Nowadays, they have these little things. I don't carry my phone on Sundays, but you know they have those little phones and they carry those around. That's what keeps them occupied. But Paul went to the laundromat and then eventually he meets Lydia, the businesswoman in the city. And Paul from there launches into a mighty, wonderful gospel evangelistic outreach across Philippi, across all of Macedonia, and then he finishes there and he goes on to Achaia, and the church continues to support him. And when he writes this letter, you know where Paul's at? Under house arrest in Rome. And you know what Paul's doing under house arrest in Rome? He's sharing the gospel with all of his guards. And all of his guards are going back into different places And even while Paul is under house arrest, that means that he can't leave his house. He's got a guard keeping him there. In his house in Rome, oh, and by the way, they didn't pay for it. He had to pay for it himself for his own house. While he's there, he's reaching people even in Caesar, the Roman emperor's household. Paul was always about the gospel, but you know he couldn't do it alone. Not alone in his own person. He had so many times co-laborers. But he couldn't do it alone without the fellowship of churches far away. You know, Rome is a long, long, long ways from Philippi, from Macedonia. But yet Macedonian church had a fellowship in the gospel with Paul by supporting him and helping him. And Paul, you know that famous, famous verse that even famous sports people like to quote? And it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Do you know that comes from this letter to Philippi? And do you know what he's saying? He's declaring to the church that even though I'm so weak, I can do all things through Christ. And you know, that's a really exciting, wonderful truth, and that's the foundational truth. That's the truth we were singing about earlier. But you know what's really interesting is that as soon as Paul makes that declaration of his absolute, total, complete dependence on Christ, in this very letter, he turns to the people. For he says, if you look in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, he says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And then you know what immediately he does? He says, notwithstanding. I want to say, wait a minute, Paul. Are you qualifying your statement? No, Paul's not. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, is making a point. And it is first and foremost that we can only and always only do all through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Notwithstanding, he says to the church of Philippi, ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. Communicate here doesn't mean just that they sent letters back and forth or emails or texts or WhatsApp or whatever. Because they didn't have any of that, hardly. They did have letters. The communication here is that they sent help. They sent help in the form of finances and personnel. 
they send help, and he explains that. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, there it is, it's all about the gospel. When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. We see from the very beginning that this church was giving and supporting Paul financially from the very beginning. Some people have looked to the church at Philippi. In the olden days, you would hear about ladies' missionary societies. Many people look back, and, and there's some tradition, not inspired in the record, but there's tradition that Lydia, that businesswoman in Philippi, put together a ladies' missionary society right off in day one. And here you have this church, though, and they're communicating with Paul in the giving and receiving they're the first one. They're the, they're the one who set up model for the rest of the church. For then he goes, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again into my necessity. I mean, that was just in the neighboring town. He moved on to right after leaving Philippi. And now he says to them, I don't write this, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. There's going to be good fruit that's in your account. You're laying up treasure in heaven. Lydia, you rich lady who opened your home up and opened your purse up to the gospel, you've let, you're laying up treasure in heaven. And he says this, but I have all and abound. Wait a minute, Paul. You're under house arrest in Rome. What are you saying? I have all and I abound. This is the contentment of Paul. He's content. And he declares to them, this is because of you, church. You, Macedonia, you in the fellowship of the gospel, I have received of Epaphroditus. There's our man. There's our man. Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you. And he declares these things as an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And then he reminds the church as they've been giving, he suspects and he wonders, perhaps he knew that some of them were suffering. Again, there's tradition that Lydia lost everything. There's tradition that she was actually martyred. Whether or not it's true, we don't know. But look what Paul tells Lydia. Those women in Philippi, the bishops and the, el the, bishops and the deacons he addressed in chapter 1, verse 1, look what he says to them. But my God shall supply all your need according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The church at Philippi. Hmm. Macedonia was a mission-minded church. They had a fellowship in the gospel, both in communication, in finances, and in personnel. They were engaged. It's a model for us. And Paul gives thanksgiving for it. How do we follow in this truth? In Galatians chapter 2, 9, Paul tells us that he is a special missionary focus, and his special missionary focus is to the Gentiles. In 2 Corinthians, he writes to them, and it, oh, it's interesting, he tells the church in Corinth that a lot of it is due to the church up at Macedonia, Philippi, where we've been learning about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, he speaks of how marvelous that church has been, and he appeals for the church at Corinth 
copy their example. Can I say that what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 to the church at Corinth about following the example of the church up at Macedonia, Philippi, is a great lesson for us. Do we follow the example set by the church in Philippi? We fellowship with our missionaries financially. We have a monthly support of our missionaries that we send them. From time to time, we take up Thanksgiving offerings for our missionaries. Sometimes we take up special offerings for our missionaries. I think we do a good job in that. Do we have fellowship and prayer? We need to more. Do we remember them not just when we receive their letters, but consistently remember to pray for them? You see, there's great power in prayer, for without Christ we can do nothing. Do we have fellowship and communication? You know how much missionaries like to get letters from their supporting churches and not just the pastor. From you all, to just drop them a note to say, thinking of you today, praying for you today, to wish them a happy birthday, happy anniversary. These are all things that we together can be fellowshipping together in the gospel with them. We also can support them in personnel. Our church has done this a little in the past. I think many years ago, I, I, I probably should have Mr. Densmore share. Did, did you find a connection when your family all together went to visit a missionary in Scotland? So much so now it's been, what, almost nine or eight years since? And 15 years since, and, and um, there's still that special bond. There's a fellowship that can come in doing that, and that's wonderful. You know we support the rains in Kenya, but did you know long before we actually supported them, we had a team here of young men go help them, Nathaniel, Timothy, and Matt Reisinger. They went to help the Reigns for a whole month, several years ago. And it's fascinating because now, where is Matt Reisinger? He is now traveling and raising support at this very moment to go back to Africa with the goal long-term of being a missionary in Africa. If you can sit down and hear just some of the testimonies from missionaries of when people come to visit with them, come to minister alongside them, and there's limitations to that, granted, but oh, how richly encouraging and helpful that can be. We have some opportunities just here on the horizon. Virgil Jr.'s family, some of them, have just booked tickets this past week to be able to go minister to the large and our missionaries in Uruguay. They're going to be very limited because they don't know the language, but oh, how Ivan has been so excited about the prospect of this for such a long time, and details are coming together for it to happen. That's an illustration of how we can partner together. You know the, the, the Reisiners, Joe Reisiner family that's currently in Uganda? Next year, they have a team coming from the United States. Um, what's the name of that organization? OHR, Operation Renewed Hope. 
Operation Renewed Hope. Um, it's a medical missions group and um, where they have both doctors and nurses and other volunteers who create a team, and they go to a particular region, and there they create a clinic, a short-term clinic, where they support and help the missionaries in providing medical care to a community. So it's 2024, if I know, um, this organization is putting together a team right now to come and help Joe and Lindsay Reisinger in Uganda. Now, how are you going to partner in that? Well, Joe has been talking over here to, these, to Lincoln and Carissa saying, you guys should come just before, come just after, or right overlap. Can you come help us in this time in preparing for this? I pray and the details work out. There is an illustration of fellowshipping with the gospel. Maybe some of you might be able to join in on that team. How can we have a fellowship with the gospel. Oh, there are so many, many different opportunities. Many of you know Ben Sinclair. He's currently the director of Baptist World Mission. Uh, he's a veteran missionary. Some people say he's retired. He's not retired. He's a veteran. He's a veteran missionary to Cameroon. And recently, or a few years ago, he wrote this book, and he just came with some ways that churches can partner with missionaries, and he's begging them to do more than just send them a check. How can they partner with missionaries? And um, he writes here of partners should provide moral, moral support. What is that? Well, did you know that missionaries are human beings just like you and me? And they get lonely, and they get discouraged, they get frustrated, and they need that brother or sister to encourage them. You might say, well, that's kind of hard when they're in Africa. I mean, it is. Praise God, we have technology now that we can help or when they come back, are we there to provide moral support and help them, encouraging them? Brother Sinclair encourages that we need to have prayer support and not just this little, little token prayers, but truly considering their needs and praying for them in urgent ways. I have a book. I actually got it from, from your family at home. And its, and its title is something along the lines of Missionary Letters That Are Never Sent. And you know, there's a lot of things that happen in a missionary's life that they can't put in the letter. But think about it. They have lives just like you and I. They have relational things they have to work through as husband and wife. They have parenting struggles. They're not some kind of superhuman that's out there doing this grand, wonderful work and never have any problems. Some problems that are hard to talk about in a letter, hard to write in a letter. And um, this particular book, I believe, is actually based upon um, real stories and real experiences that missionaries have had, but the stories that never make it into the newsletters. And why do I bring this up? Because I'm saying here missionaries don't write them. Well, that's the point. Just because they don't write them doesn't mean that we shouldn't be praying for them in the same ways that we need prayer ourselves. That's one reason why I love what, um, there's, a, there's a schedule, it's in the back of our milk book this year, um, of our Bible Memory Family Bible Time book, of just looking at the days of the week and looking at general but yet specific ways to pray for our missionaries from Sunday through Saturday, to look at them from a very general 
but yet specific way. What are real life struggles they have and how can we be praying for them? Brother Sinclair writes of the need for us to be praying for them. He speaks of reentry support when a missionary comes home from the field. What vehicle are they going to drive? Especially nowadays, the vehicle situation is a disaster. Um, what vehicle are they going to drive? How, how does the church help them in that? How does the church help them in, in recovering from very difficult experiences? Um, I once knew a missionary who had a very difficult time going back to the field because they just got so exhausted. Imagine if everywhere you went, people would come up to you as the white person, and I'll pick on my son because he's my son, and would come and look at your blonde hair and like, I've never seen blonde hair before. And they're always looking at it and coming and taking and, and plucking at your baby's skin because it's so white. Like, is it real? Is this a real baby? And those kinds of experiences, you know, that can kind of have a traumatic experience on people that may take a little bit of time getting over. They need some help and encouragement in that. Helping them in communication, other logistical supports. And Brother Sinclair goes through a lot of the financial supports, um, of how we can help missionaries. I really recommend the, that chapter in this book to help us to think, start thinking, how can we minister? And then his last one is of personnel support. And he really encourages to say, personnel support is not always just to go and be able to be going to share the gospel. Sometimes that support is to come and create fellowship. Because you know, sometimes it gets lonely. I know the Abnars, you were 17, 18 years in China. I've heard stories of this. Those were good times, needed times, when people were able to come and help them in that place. It's a real thing. And do we have a fellowship in the gospel? I've been speaking of foreign missions, about the missionaries going overseas. But did you know we have a fellowship of the gospel that's right here in South Bend? right here in your own neighborhoods? I heard the ladies were talking. Oh, it's not a ladies' missionary society, but the ladies were talking. How are ways that we can reach neighbors? How can we connect with neighbors? Oh, how wonderful and important that is. We together need to be talking together. How can we have a fellowship together in the gospel? There are limited opportunities. Did I say limited? Hmm. I meant limitless we can be creative. And it's, it's not always something that needs to be a whole church kind of a thing, just as me can do it. But you know what I would encourage you to do? Is don't be a me that does it myself. Be the one who does it first and foremost in the power of God. But then secondly, share your ideas and your experiences. Here's one reason why that's important is because sometimes a brother or sister in Christ is, is experiencing and seeing wonderful fruit and encouragement. Well, meanwhile, all your attempts over here are really hard. When I used to live in the city, we had abundant opportunities of witnessing and opportunities of really seeing people challenged and grapple with their souls and their faith and their lives. Then we kind of moved to the country and we hardly ever see our neighbors unless we purposely go and reach out to them. Totally different environment, totally different culture. And yet, there's still a fellowship of the gospel that together I'm encouraged in different experiences I hear of others and ideas. How do I reach out? You know, door-to-door -door evangelism isn't obsolete. It may not be the most effective, but it's not obsolete. It's a wonderful opportunity to go forth and to share the gospel. 
oh, I'm so excited. Right now we have Good News Club. This past week we had 45 kids at Good News Club, Harrison Elementary School, opportunity to proclaim the gospel. All that team together. Oh, I don't even know how many of you there are. Uh, we have almost 20 volunteers coming together in a fellowship, a fellowship of sharing the gospel with these precious children. It's wonderfully exciting. But I said, it's limitless. Some of you have been to the JJC, the Juvenile Justice Center, where you can go and engage with these children who've gotten themselves into trouble, be able to share with them. Some of you go every single week. Oh, opportunities at nursing homes, perhaps the most forgotten people in America. Nursing homes and retirement communities, how we can go there to share the love of Jesus, to have a fellowship in the gospel. I've got two things that were really interesting that happened. I, I got one letter here, and it tells us here this, is, this letter's return address is the Newcastle Correctional Facility. Addressed to Fellowship Baptist Church. It's a letter from a man who's incarcerated there. It's a prison. That's the, that's the, that's the short word for correctional facility, if you didn't know. It's a prison. And he's basically looking, knowing that he's about to get out in a certain period of time, and he's wanting to reach out and find somebody where he can begin to build a relationship for when he gets out, he'll have a support base. He sends this to the church. Anybody want to take this? It's right here available. Limitless opportunities. Oh, other ideas. Other ideas. As you know, my dad passed away back in... Um, back in August, and this letter is postmarked September 11th. That's just a month and a few days after my dad died. And it is a, a multi-page, handwritten letter. Well, I shouldn't say multi-page, but handwritten letter to my mother offering encouragement and hope in the passing of her husband. And it has a little, um, um, I'm not really sure what to call this. You might say, well, that's a gospel track. I don't, can't call it a gospel track because this was sent with the goal of being gospel, but it was sent from a local cult. The gospel track is from Watchtower Society, JW.org, Jehovah's Witnesses. And I got this, and it pricked me. <laughs> you kind of, oh. You realize how significant this is to my mother, that somebody took the time to write a handwritten letter to her? People don't do that anymore. But yet it's a pseudo, they, this, this is a false gospel. It's a false gospel. We, we have the true gospel. What are opportunities we looking for? How are we going forth in the limitless opportunities to have a fellowship in the gospel to reach people, to share the good news? I don't know how they got her address. I have a theory. By the way, I don't think it's the funeral home breaching confidence. I think it's public records, vital records, death certificates that are filed. And they have some way 
of some organization where they put this through, and this is probably a very organized team to make this happen, where somebody is, somebody is gathering the data from county courthouses, county health departments, compiling it into a database, and then there's probably a team of volunteers who look at that database, sit down, and write letters. Something we can do? Can? Am I saying we should? No. But what are we looking to? How are we looking for ways of the limitless ways to share the gospel and to connect with people? Sometimes we get this idea it's this one particular way. It's not. It's all about a fellowship together with God, with the truth of his word, with each other, in a joint partnership together for a common purpose, a common goal. How many of our strategic conversations, do we have those? How many of our conversations together are centered around, how do we get the gospel out this week? How can we fellowship together and partner together, camaraderie together to get the gospel out this week? What you do this week? How can I do it? Help you. How can I pray for you? All of us are in different seasons of life. All of us have different experiences and opportunities. All of us are in different places. But can I encourage you to continue in the way that the church at Macedonia did? who clearly had a passion in the fellowship, the joint partnership, the passion for the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. It is our great commission to preach the gospel to every creature, teaching them, making disciples. It's our passion, or is it? Paul gave thanks for the church at Philippi for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Let us fellowship with our missionaries, with one another, with other believers, because we've got good news. Let's share it. Let's proclaim it. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the good news the good news about you. We thank you for you. We thank you that you love us, that you care about us. We thank you that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. Empty us of ourselves. Humble us before you. May we have your mind, Lord Jesus. May we have your passion and care for people. Fill us with your mind. Fill us with your passion. And help us together to have a camaraderie and fellowship around your good news. That your word might be glorified and have free course. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.